0: Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and
1: art. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Caradini. And today we're going to talk about Elon Musk. He's basically Iron Man, and that's why we're going to talk about him. You may think to yourself, wow, that's a bold statement to start out a podcast. (laughs) And yes, yes it is and we are ready to back
0: it up sort of we don't have we don't we don't have any evidence of him flying around in a suit
1: shooting rockets at bad guys yet but it seems like something he would do <laughs> for fun but in reality what we're going to be talking about is we're interested in the way that Elon Musk is situating um his companies particularly Tesla but also SpaceX to run counter to some of the mechanisms and support systems that are around it as well as kind of connecting with some of the support systems that are around it. So it's a very interesting sort of game that he's set up around the perception of his companies. And because Winning Slowly is very interested in how you do corporations and startups and technology in a long-term sort of way. We're fascinated by Elon Musk because he has a super long view on technology, which we appreciate. <laughs> if you
0: don't know who Elon Musk is, he you You're wrong! Is... <laughs> You've almost certainly heard of his companies at the least. Tesla is an up-and-coming an up car manufacturer who makes nothing but electric Powered cars, like plug them in and charge them. But these aren't your Nissan Leaf. These are things like, oh, you know, a supercar that can do zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds. And an SUV because Americans. Because Americans. That's kind of a crazy idea, but it's an interesting take on it. He is also the founder of a company called SpaceX, which is one of a couple and easily the most successful new companies building rockets to carry things into space. And they're actually getting contracts from NASA and the Air Force to deliver payloads, whether that's satellites like the one they just delivered yesterday or payloads to the international space station of supplies and they're doing fun things like trying to land rockets on floating docks after they've delivered their after they've carried things to orbit which is crazy and fantastic um
1: and fantastic
0: if you can get that to work all of a sudden you dramatically lower the costs of getting things into space because you can reuse them instead of doing what we've done for the last 50 years which is Dump them in the ocean because, well, what else are you
1: going to do with them, right? Right. It's at this point point that we should recognize that we've only been going to space for less than 50 years. It feels forever. (laughs) But But it's pretty new in the scheme of things. It's pretty new. It's pretty new. It's not the internet, but it's pretty new.
0: Yeah. And Elon Musk is one of those guys who made a fortune in the dot-com bubble of the late 90s and early 2000s. And did not lose everything in the dot-com bust and then took all of his money and apparently decided, I'm super rich now. Let's change the world. Like, actually change the world, not just change the world the way that dot-com bubbles promised that they were going to. And so he's built these two companies and he's done some pretty unusual things with them. As Stephen alluded in the, the opening there, well some of the moves he's made, particularly with Tesla, have just been, well, not the way you quote-unquote do things in that industry. For example, everybody loves their patents in the software world, in the hardware world, in the car world. In the world. In the world world. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) loves patents. Elon Musk looks around and says, patents might be fine, I I guess. But what we really need if we want electric cars to do really well is other people to make electric cars so that we can get competition, so that we can get the cost of all these components to come down, so that we can make sure there are charging stations everywhere for people to be able to use them. So all of these patents that we've spent the last decade amassing, figuring out cool new battery technologies and how to make everything work together, here they are, the world. You can all use them. They're open. Do whatever you want.
1: And everybody said, What? (laughs) I remember when they made the announcement they he has a flair for the dramatic. They listed all of the the patents and then they printed out all of the patents in paper form and like pasted them on a big wall. (laughs) And they like show I'm pretty sure this was them, but they just there was this big picture of this wall and they were like, These are all free now, (laughs) which is like totally useless, but a great (laughs) PR move. (laughs) He's good at those. He's pretty good at those. And so it's really interesting. It goes directly against this kind of mentality that says we have a patent now, we must defend mm-hmm. it with armor and weapons and lawyers. <laughs> and lawyers with weapons. Lawyers with armor? And and that's no. <laughs> Just lawyers with weapons. No. Just lawyers with weapons. Um and so it's interesting to us that he said in the long scheme of things Having people be able to compete with me is a really good Mm -hmm. idea because then this will institutionalize this sort of practice. So it will be normal to have your neighbor have an electric car, more so than the LEAF, which is currently – I mean, it is, yes, an ecological statement, but it's more a status Mm -hmm. statement. Um, It's more of an affinity group statement. It's not a normalized thing. I still think a certain thing about people that have a LEAF (laughs) – you know, it's not it's not a bad or a good thing. It's just, oh, that that's a certain type of person.
0: That's the kind of person who drives a Leaf. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we haven't normalized that to be like, oh, yeah, he watches uh, football every Sunday and also drives a Leaf. Um, like, we haven't normalized it to that part. In large part because if you look at a Leaf, you
0: think that's a very interesting shape of car. And in general, there's been kind of a tendency before Tesla to appeal to certain hipster-ish sensibilities with the electric cars. And there are are good reasons for that because those things culturally have tended to align with certain kinds of concerns about the environment and so on. Tesla is taking exactly the opposite tack and saying, I'm going to make this cool. I'm going to make this car cool like a supercar cool and make everybody want one. And oh, by the way, do it with electricity.
1: Yeah. So, so far we have a, a young, intelligent, super connected, wealthy, (laughs) debonair, forward thinking technology visionary. Does this
0: sound like anyone to you? Does this sound like anyone to you? I mean, I mean, it's either Iron Man or Batman and he doesn't seem the brooding punch people in the middle of the (laughs) night type. So
1: it really, really doesn't really doesn't. (laughs) But so that's that's what's really interesting to us is that through all of this, Elon Musk comes off as a totally normal dude. Like, there is a flair for the dramatic. There is this sort of, you know, debonair, suave, tech valley sort of aura. But once you get past, like, what the media affords to him, which is a lot of things, he just kind of seems like a dude who is like, isn't this a great idea? This is a great idea. It's so much fun. I love everything. Guys, this is we should best. go to Mars. Because we can. Guys, we could do it. <laughs> we could do it. It's gonna be great. So that's really interesting to us because that's goes against a lot of what the kind of narratives that media spin up about um about Tech Valley, Silicon Valley, startups, as well as the kind of cult of personality that develops around individual people now not to say that there isn't a cult personality around him because there certainly is and we're part of it right we're making now. jokes that he's um, actually iron man i mean we're we're definitely part of that cult of personality but it's a very different sort of way of perceiving than someone like steve Ballmer or uh steve jobs or any of these titans of industry that have or even Johnny Ive who has a very different sort of aura appreciated to him and to them. So that's that's interesting from one perspective. From another perspective, even though Tesla has this amazing long view business plan, their short-term business plan is Elon Musk is really rich. <laughs> is yeah, it's it's sketchy at best. So they, this quarter, they lost $108 million, which puts their total losses for the year at somewhere around $300 million. If this were any other company, they would not be a company very long. <laughs> and so there's, there's some element that even though Tesla has the ability to take the long view on things, it's partially because they have a absurd amount of capital mm-hmm. with which to do so. Now, that doesn't mean that They are not special because plenty of companies have an absurd amount of capital and don't use the long view and things. But there's a sort of problem that I see with Elon Musk wanting people to compete with him, which is that there's such an aggressive startup cost here that there's not a lot of people that are going to be able to compete with him for a while.
0: Right. Except other car companies who, frankly, have not shown a ton of interest, but he gave them a kick in the pants with the release of all of those patents because he made it possible for GM or Toyota or whomever else to look and say it's a lot cheaper for us now to jump in we don't have to do all of that r&d ourselves and maybe we can couple that yep. to things we have been working on etc the other thing that highlights to me is that Here, you actually have an example of capitalism in the old sense of the word doing exactly what capitalism is supposed to do. That is, looking at a project which needs a longer time to germinate before it comes to fruition and supplying the capital, the funds necessary to see it through that germination period. In this case, a lot of that is coming from Elon Musk himself. He also has outside investors who see the potential. But It's a pretty striking contrast to the way capitalism has come to work in the modern Wall Street economy in that it is not about short-term, immediate payoff. And in the tech bubble, that has tended to mean, you know, you've got three to five years, and if you're not getting an exit making us gobs of money, eh, we're not really interested. This is more old-school capitalism where you've got capital supplied to allow somebody to take the long view and build a functioning, profitable company, and that will be profitable for its investors in the long haul,
1: that's the kind of capitalism that we would like to see a lot, lot, lot more of. Yeah, because especially if it's done in the service of, you know, cleaning up the environment, which ostensibly, if there are more electric cars, there are less gas being used, um, if, you know, if it's done in the service of maybe SpaceX develops into, you know, full-fledged space space travel for humans Woo! and then we go to Mars yes! or we go to the moon yes! and we have – it would be great and we have the ability to go and, you know, be over there and hopefully start – Doing... Science fiction-y things. Lots of things. Yeah, science fiction-y things. I had so many things run through my mind that we could do once we're on Mars. I couldn't think of one to say. How
0: could be air drives? Flying to Jupiter? Going to other star system. Sorry, I'm kind of a nerd and <laughs> I get carried away. But I, that's why Elon Musk looks so cool, because apparently he's a nerd who gets carried away,
1: too. Yeah. And so that sort of, you know, forward thinking, that sort of ability to deal with the problems that we have now, which... You know, Elon Musk isn't recycling anything, for instance. This isn't an ecological reclamation project. It's a capital based idea that would make him a lot of money, but that would also be really good for society, in my opinion. And I'm cool with that. Like, I'm cool with that. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: think my personal inclination as a broad free market kind of guy is to say, whenever possible, if we can achieve these kinds of ecologically beneficial ends via the market, that's going to be the most effective and generally the longest lasting because coercion is sometimes necessary. There's no way around that. Sometimes we need to step in and say, this is a big enough deal that, yeah, we need to mandate that everybody do this. But that's almost always going to be less effective in changing people's minds than simply showing them, okay, here's this thing over here. You can pay less money, it'll be quieter, it'll be cooler, and you just want to buy one. And if that slowly wins out in the market, that that's just fantastic. And you've done it by convincing people rather than coercing people. And that's going to be a longer-term win, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think that's fantastic, even as a person who is skeptical of, like you mentioned earlier, short-term capital and the tendency of corporations to hit it and quit it. If there's a longer-term view, that makes sense, and that is not just good for the individual people who are going to be making money off it, but for society in a more ecological but also organically developing way yeah that's fantastic that works with the way society is and the way that people flourishing works and that's that's what i love that's when i when i can get behind (laughs) capitalism
0: yeah and and it's worth remembering that that's the kind of capitalism that was meant when capitalism was invented and so a little more of that and a little less of greed at all costs as we mentioned last week is always up our alley.
1: So the one interesting thing that we saw recently in American society was a dramatic drop in gas prices.
0: Which was really great. We were driving to see family around Christmas time and I was going, I'm paying under $2 a gallon. This is
1: amazing. But <laughs> but poor Tesla that immediately turns some people off of this idea of an electric car because, hey, gas is cheap. Why would I need to go get an electric car and pay a premium to get over the hump of actually just buying an electric car? Like, I could just buy a cheap gas guzzler and get cheap gas. Uh, And that's a bummer for Tesla and also a bummer for everyone because that's total short-term thinking at Mm -hmm. work because I don't think anybody is convinced that gas is going to stay at – $2 $2 a gallon nor are they convinced that it's going to stay at $3 or $1 gas fluctuates because it's a commodity and it fluctuates <laughs> and there's geopolitics and you know it's always moving around you know we're definitely in a low point right now but over the past couple days gas has gone up and then gone down and then gone up on the crude markets so like you know it could just start going up again and then all these people who just bought SUVs last week are you know <laughs> sad. up a creek yeah they're sad and then Tesla can be like, well, you should have bought an electric car and thought a little longer into the future about the nature of commodities. But <laughs> that's that's a difficulty.
0: I'll, although, to be fair, I'm probably not going to sink $120,000 into any car anytime soon.
1: I, I also agree with that. I think that's true. Um, I'm also not the type of person that would do that. but. According to reports, the price of gas hurt them. So that's an interesting kind of counterbalance to the fact that you have this company that has a long view. If your consumers don't necessarily have a long view, then, ugh, that's a mismatch that might hurt you in the short term. Right. So, so if you've got a short term mindset in your audience and a long term mindset in your company, the good news is that the long-term mindset can work to change the short-term mindset, which is exactly what Elon Musk is trying to do. But you've got to have some uh, some perseverance to stick it out through quarters like quarter four.
0: And we've seen that companies that take this tack can pull it off before. Uh, Apple, in the post-return of Steve Jobs era, is a great example of this. When he first came back and made some of the moves he made, there were a lot of outside critics who said, this is not going to work, you're just... Even further ruining the chance of the company when he basically said, scrap all these extra things we've been working on. We're going to focus really, really narrowly on these short list of things. There were a lot of outside critics of that. And when they launched the iPod, people were looking at them kind of oddly. Like, what are you doing? But as we all know, the iPod engendered a great and deep and lasting love in many people's souls. That's true. And That's true. <laughs> Still love that iPod. Over time, they were able to build up a pretty sizable amount of loyalty from their audience in part because they were willing to make those longer-term moves, even though it did cost them short-term profits. And they were willing to eat humble pie. I mean, there's nothing quite like accepting basically bailout money from Microsoft who uh, basically agreed to keep Apple in business as part of the terms of their As part of their settlement in the anti-monopoly suit in the late 90s, I mean, they were one of the companies that helped put Apple near to bankruptcy. There's nothing quite like your arch enemy being the ones who bail you out. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, having that long-term view has helped Apple. And I think actually you're seeing Microsoft itself now have to adjust and make longer-term plays and whatnot. And that's really working to the good of the company. And... These kinds of moves are not things that necessarily endear you in the short term to your investors. Uh, no one's particularly happy about watching the stop drop, stock drop when you're investing in a publicly traded company. But one of the things that would make Wall Street a much healthier place is if—and what would make Wall Street what it once was and in theory could be again—which is a benefit to the country and a way of actually generating value for the country and the world as a whole rather than simply as a way of lining financiers pockets is to be making those longer-term bets rather than the sort of microsecond trading and all of that that's really only oriented on short-term profits and orienting again on those longer-term capitalism goals it's Kind yeah. of sad to me that capitalism has turned into a word so, so disjointed from and so distinct from what it originally meant because we don't really have a good word for that anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean backing or venture capitaling, yeah, that that sort of thing. But yeah, I think you're right that that's part of what causes big disjunctures in the way that people see companies and the way that companies act and the way that products come out and the way that money goes through the system is that if you're oriented around this idea that look like we're all going to eventually get paid like let's just make something good while we're doing it or look we're going to get paid and we don't care what happens elsewise and that's that's a very very different mindset and that's kind of what Elon Musk is the antithesis of which is he's banking on the fact that he's going to get paid and he's set up his whole company around the idea that if he does it this particular way he will get paid the most or perhaps you know well technically definitely we can say that because he's <laughs> he gave away the patents right so there's there's an element where he's purposely doing it in a particular way that a lot of companies would never dream of doing it because he thinks this is the best way for him to have the most chance at making money, which is important, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that we should grant up front that Elon Musk, whatever the nobility of his goals, putting humans in space is a good goal, I think, and helping make ecological change by advancing the the efforts toward electric cars and other more sustainable ways of getting people from point A to B is a good goal. But at the end of the day, he's still a businessman, and we think that's good. We think the kinds of business he's doing here are good. Now, of course, that's not to say he's perfect. We have no idea what the long-term track record of Tesla is going to be in terms of how it treats people and its employees and its suppliers and all of that. And we can hope that that will be good. And from the kinds of moves he's yeah. made so far, it looks like it probably will be. But everyone's feet are made of clay. We, As much right. as we think he's Iron Man, well, all you have to do is look at Iron Man to see that Iron Man's feet are made of clay. But right. we can still look and say, here's a great example of somebody doing it better. Is he perfect? Heck no. Mm-hmm. But is he doing it better? Mm-hmm. And are there things that we can learn and take away? Yes. And let us, please.
1: So that's really what our interest in Elon Musk is, it's not that he's like a superhero like Steve Jobs or the way that Steve Jobs has been portrayed as the only one who can do all the cool things. He is the one. No. (laughs) We're interested in the fact that this is a person who has a particular set of ideals for whatever reason, whether it is this is the longest term way I can make money or some other set of ideals that we don't know. Elon Musk, if you want to come on our show and talk about it, we'd love that. Uh, but it it appears from the outside, as far as we can know, and as far as journalists have gone to tell us, that he's thinking about how to do it well, how to be a good actor in the world. And that's really all we're asking for, is work towards being a good actor towards people you are employing towards the people you are being uh supplying so towards your consumers and towards you know the general public that's it's extremely hard to do but that's really all we're asking <laughs> yeah and i i think one of the things
0: that's made him effective that would be helpful as along the way as you're trying to do that is if you're an Elon Musk and or you're not regardless, if you can educate your investors on this kind of attack, that helps a lot. And I think one of the things that excites me the most about watching Elon Musk do this is he's a sterling example now that we can point to and say, hey, look, you don't have to be taking the short term view. You don't have to be in the right. Tomorrow is the most important day in the world. And who cares about next week or next month or next decade? Right. You don't have to take that ...view to be a successful business person. In fact, doing the opposite, as we say here time and again, can be better. And so anytime that you do get that kind of success, or, I mean, a fraction, a microcosm of the success that someone like Musk has had, use it to continue building so that others can learn from that and do the same behind you. Because it's hard, because there are a lot of pressures in the market against that. So wherever we can take the opportunity especially when that opportunity is validated by success, to persuade people that there is a better way, that the immediacy of profit ought not be our final determiner. Take it. Teach
1: people. Help people. Help people see the light, yeah, as it were. And whoa, 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 some of you may be thinking, what about the whole storehouses metaphor? What about that verse in James that if the Lord wills, we will go to this country or that? Do business there. We, there's definitely a tension there between living in the now morally and spiritually and physically and living in the future in planning and doing work. Um, there's definitely a tension there. And it's something that perhaps we'll talk about on a future episode, but we definitely have not forgotten or ignored that part of the way that the spiritual Christian life works. The music at the beginning of this week's episode was Just Like
0: Moonlight by Inner Outlaws. Stephen picked it because it sounds like James Bond, which is totally perfect. Don't use it without the permission of Inner Outlaws, which we got and you should too.
1: Before you go, we want to turn your attention to one very sad piece of news. I'm an instructor and a graduate student at North Carolina State University, and I was horrified to hear the news that Three Muslim students associated with North Carolina State, two graduates, and one current student um, have been murdered in what might be a random crime or what might be a hate crime. And it's, we denounce everything about that sort of action that's horrifying and evil and wrong. And that's, it's hard to talk about. I've actually had to record this several times. Because it's just yeah, horrible.
0: Yeah. It's awful, and we condemn it in the strongest, strongest possible terms. May God have mercy.
1: My deepest condolences go out to the families of all those involved and to the friends of all those involved and to everyone at UNC, Chapel Hill, and North Carolina State University who's been affected by this horrible tragedy. We've linked a couple articles about it in the show notes. Until
0: next week, thanks for listening.